I want to um, just take a little bit of time to study tonight, and then we're going to spend some more time in prayer because I want to make sure we do that. But if you have a Bible, um, if you turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, I always believe that it's important uh, to spend time in the Word to help us to focus our hearts uh, as we approach the throne of grace. And that's necessary for a couple of reasons. One is, whenever we study the Word before we pray, it trains our mind to hear the voice of the Lord. The more familiar we are with Scripture, the more we'll be able to discern between the Holy Spirit and the deceiver. Because what does the deceiver do? He deceives, right? He twists the scripture. He twists what we know is right. Um, and he disguises himself. He's a, he's a ventriloquist, so to speak. He tries to mock the voice of the Lord and tell us things that aren't holy. And if we don't know the word, uh, we can't discern that. It's also important to study the word because it reminds us that we need God's help. Psalm 119, I think it's at verse 36, forgive me if it's not, says, incline my heart toward your word. In other words, when we study scripture, we want to make sure that we're saying to God, show me how to change and show me that I need your help. Not that we should be convinced of either of those things, but we get very callous and we get very stubborn. So we need God to change us. And then study is important because if we don't focus ourselves on the word, as I mentioned earlier, our minds will go in a lot of different directions. And we'll start, we'll start uh, tangentializing. I'm making that a word tonight. Everybody go with that? We'll start tangentializing everything. Come on, say that with me. It's a fun word to say, tangentialize. Yeah, it's, you'll love it. You'll use it. Okay? Yeah, you ever been like that? You ever been like me? You start to pray. And after about five minutes, you realize that your mind is thinking about something that's about 19 steps from where you started. I had that happen to me this morning. I started to pray as I was getting ready. And then within three minutes, I was like, well, now what was I doing? Oh, that's right. I was praying. And I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I was trying to, trying to concentrate. But this has nothing to do with what I started to pray about. And as we do that, Instead of spending time in fellowship with the Lord, intimacy with the Lord, uh, we, we start to go through a list of the things that are on our mind. Someone or something that we were praying about, but, but then we go into free association mode and we start to think about other things and, and we get somewhere else. That's because there's so many things going on in our lives, right? And it's easy to feel overwhelmed. It's easy to just feel like, man, I've just got so much. The list is a mile long. I'm never going to get through it. And then you throw in worry, and then you throw in fear, and then you throw in people around you that need help, and then you throw in your schedule, and you throw in their work to be finished, and the bills to be paid, and the cars to be repaired, and yada, 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 yada. And pretty soon, we feel more overwhelmed than satisfied from the fact that we've been able to be in God's presence and tell Him what we need. So... That's why when we pray, often, most of the time, all the time, it's important just to spend some time in the Word. And that's what we're going to do tonight before we pray, is we're just going to spend a couple minutes. I'm not preaching long messages, not Sunday morning. This is just, this is just a little short study to, to stoke our thinking, okay? Because what we're doing tonight as we gather, the reason you guys got in your car on a beautiful evening and made the trip all the way up here is because there's something in us that said, we need to go gather together and say, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Because we need help. And prayer is a powerful catalyst to seeing God work. 
Some people dismiss it. Some people say, well, God's going to do what he's going to do, and, and we don't have to pray, and, and God's just God's sovereign, and I believe God's sovereign too. But God also loves our prayer, and God also tells us to pray. Other people want to neglect it because they want to solve it by themselves. But the Spirit says to us, you don't have because what? You don't ask. Now, there's no way to nuance that verse. There's no way to explain that in a different way and to say, well, that's not what God really meant, and, and God, God meant something else, and prayer doesn't work that way. No, it means exactly what it says. It means that there are blessings we could be experiencing if only we would say to the Lord, can you do this? Will you do this? Please, Lord, do this. Please, Lord, help us. And when we do that, God says, I'm not only ready to help you, I'm not only willing to help you, but I love to help you. I love to help you. It's an amazing truth that God's willing to help us. That, that the God of the universe is willing to come down and help us. But, but there's also this sense when we think about that verse, and that's not our verse for tonight, is that God is also willing to withhold his hand because he wants us to be dependent and he wants us to ask. So how many blessings do we miss out on because we just don't ask? If your marriage is struggling, have you asked God to help? If your kids are away from the Lord, Tony's prayer request tonight that he got on his card, have you asked the Lord? Have you said, Lord, rescue my child? If there's crisis in your family, if your work situation is not going well, if, if you have ministry and, and ministry is not uh, where you need to be, whatever the situation in your life, your future, anything. I got a prayer request tonight about someone's job and their future. So that was easy to pray for. Lord, give that person leading. Guide them. Direct their paths. Be sufficient for them. Provide what they need. That, that's an easy prayer. But are we also praying it for ourselves? Are we saying to the Lord, will you help me? Now spiritually, we can get very Americanized. And we can get into the whole pull yourself up by your bootstraps and I'll just kind of figure it out and, and get there. Or we get very entrepreneurial. Well, I'll get, I'll get clever and I'll try to, try to understand a new path and a new strategy. Or, or maybe we just don't think we need any help at all. But, but I really believe that the Lord has given us this amazing resource of communion and help from the Lord because he loves us so much. And he loves us so much that he sent Christ to die and take our place and redeem us and forgive us and secure us forever. So I once heard a pastor say, uh, and, and I think this is how I wish I prayed more often and what I, I hope we'll do tonight. He said, our attitude in prayer should be, I don't know what to pray and I don't know how to proceed, but I'm not leaving this room until you help me. You promise that you will help me when I pray believing, so here I am. Now, that's a very powerful way to look at prayer. And if we start to pray with that mindset, not only will it change our prayer, it'll change the whole atmosphere of, that, of this room tonight. Imagine when we pray in a couple minutes, if we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, we don't know that this person's going to share a request with me. I don't know how to help them. I can't help them. I don't know what to do. I don't know what path to proceed. They don't know what path to proceed or they would have already done it. So Lord, we're not going to leave here until you show us. We're not going to leave here until you Give us the help 
that you promise. We're not trying to take advantage of the Lord. He says, I'll help you if you ask. So we're just accessing the promise that he gave us. But as we do that, we've got to open up to being changed. Because more than anything in prayer, the Lord wants us to acknowledge that we have problems that we can't fix. And that he's the only one that'll fix it because he's the only one that we can trust. Now with that in mind, that's half what I'm going to say tonight. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Very familiar verse. You know it. You may even have it on a plaque in your house. But in 1 Peter 5, God gives us extremely clear instructions about what we need to do as we walk by faith and especially what we need to do when we pray. 1 Peter 5, 7. Now let me read it. I want to read verses 6 to 9 and then we're just going to talk about it and get a couple thoughts and then we're going to pray. But listen to what he says. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Here's the verse for the night. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Now, Peter was a fisherman, right? He was in Galilee. He was a fisherman when Jesus called him. He said, come and follow me. Peter left the boat and immediately started to follow Christ. So he's speaking from experience. He's using an example in verse 7 that he knows well, and we'll explain it in a minute. But, but here's the thing about Peter. He had some issues with control. Peter had some, some stuff going on where he didn't like to yield. He was always the first one to respond, always the first one to say, I'll do it, I'll do it. Uh, Jesus, I'm here, I'm here, and look, look at me. And, and, and he, had, he had a real sense of needing to be noticed and affirmed. He had a great spirit, he had a great heart, he was passionate, he was a loving person, he really cared deeply. There's nobody of the apostles that was more passionate, I don't think, than Peter. But Peter's control issues got him in a little bit of trouble. But here's the great thing about Peter. When you look at Peter from the, from the Gospels up until you get to First and Second Peter, you see that he really learned. After he was around Jesus and after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter became a completely different person. You look at him in the Gospels, he's impulsive, he's frustrated, he's angry, he's uptight. He's, he's just, as some people say, he's wound too tight, right? The, the rubber band in his body has just been put around a couple too many times. And he's just like, ah! You can just almost see it. Like when Jesus gets arrested, he's like, ah! He pulls out the sword and cuts off the servant's ear. I mean, he's just, he's just uptight. And yet here, when we get to 1 Peter chapter 5, look at, the, look at the beauty and the maturity of what he says here. And I want you to notice the, the, the specific phrases that he uses. Humble yourselves. Cast your care on him. Be of sober spirit. Be firm in your faith. That's not Peter pre-Pentecost, right? That's not who he is in the Gospels. He never would have written those things. But as he matured and became more full of the Spirit, and as he changed, he learned that it wasn't about him. It was about living for Jesus. And to do that, he had to die to himself, and he had to surrender his way and his wants and his will in order to be like Christ. So we come back to the one phrase. Let's, let's bring it to a close, all right? We come back to the one phrase in verse 7. 
casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Peter's saying there's a new way that I have learned about relying on the Lord. Now, Peter knew very well what it was to cast a net. Not cast a net like Mexican, right? To cast a net. That was funny, I thought, but okay, that's all right. You guys are tired. He says, cast it out. In other words, to get fish, in order to to create the catch, you've got to throw the net out. Now, the word he uses here, when, when he talks about getting it out of the boat, because, right, you don't catch fish by keeping the net in the boat and, and holding it close to yourself and saying, I'm going to go catch some fish. Well, put your net out in the water. No, I can't do that. Because if I do that, it'll get wet, and I'll have to pull it in, and it'll be effort. So I'm going to keep the net right next to myself, and I'm going to clutch it like a teddy bear and my blanket, and the net and me are going to sit in the boat. Now, all the fish are out here, and nothing's going to happen. There's going to be no action. There's going to be no result. There's going to be no blessing because you're sitting in the boat holding on to the net. And sometimes that's what we do with our anxiety and our fear and our cares, right? We hold on to them almost like they're a, a spiritual security blanket. And we say, well, I'll just, I'll just kind of hang on to it. But what does he tell us here? He says, cast out your anxiety. The word means cares, concerns, and worries. Cast out your anxieties, launch it out with expectation, and as you launch it out in prayer, as you get it away from yourself and give it to the Lord, now God will deal with the anxiety and the fear and the concerns and the stress and all that, because the only way you're going to be relieved of that is for God to take them. The only way we can overcome that is not by holding on to it, not by talking to somebody, not by whatever means, not by satisfying ourselves or gaining more stuff or going on vacations or watching more TV or having more money. You'll find nowhere in Scripture that says that. In fact, everything in Scripture speaks to the opposite. So how do you deal with the stuff you're dealing with tonight? I'm sure we didn't all walk in tonight. Peachy keen, everything's wonderful. I have zero problems in life. I am just, life is just, I'm just right down the center highway. Everything is absolutely perfect. Anybody walking like that tonight? I didn't. So what do we do with all the junk? Well, we've got to give it to the Lord. And the intent of casting is to freely and joyfully give everything to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you to take the burden off me. And here's the thing. God doesn't want us to carry it anyway. He doesn't want us to carry it. We need to transfer it to him. And here's what happens. When we transfer it to him, he gladly takes it from us. Just like Jesus, here's the word, gladly took our sins on the cross. Do you know that prayer is a picture of the transaction of the cross? Because what happened? My sins went on Jesus. He took them. He bore them. He did it freely, joyfully. He took them and crucified them and defeated them and gives me freedom now. Now God says, I want you to do the exact same thing with prayer. I want you to take your concerns, your worries, your fears, your stress, and I want you to place them on Christ. And Christ will gladly bear them. And as he bears them, he will crucify them, defeat them, and give you victory. 
So salvation is pictured in prayer. And when we start to view life through that prism, when we start to see prayer in that way, we will have a new passion for it and a new fervency of it. So there has to be an intent to give it to the Lord. Now look at the second thought. He says there's a second requirement. Casting, casting, notice the I-N-G, casting all your cares on him. Notice the verb tense, because it is absolutely important. I've taught this passage before. I've studied this passage I don't know how many times. It never hit me like it did this week. Casting, in other words, it's a continual action. Keep casting. Now, I'm not much of a fisherman. My family will tell you that. And for a long time, I never understood this. About, I don't understand a lot of things about fishing. But here's the one thing I really didn't understand. Why don't you just cast and sit back and chill? Like, the, the, that seems to be the point. And yet, when I see people fishing, they cast, they reel in. They cast, they reel in. They cast, they reel in. And I'm like, you know, give the fish a chance. Like, let them, let them swim up to your bait. What are you doing there? And besides, you're working hard. I thought the whole point of fishing was you just... Do nothing. Isn't that the point of fishing? Am I wrong? I don't know. I could be. But that's not the most effective way. The bait just can't sit idly in the water because the fish will come up and go, that worm ain't moving. Something wrong with that. I don't want that worm or whatever lure you have. It has to be moving. There has to be motion. There has to be action. Now, I'm not comparing the Lord to a fish we're trying to, to, to lure in, but, but I think the concept here is crucial to understand. God wants us, look at the verb, God wants us to be actively casting our prayers to him, to keep asking until he answers, to show we're not just sitting back and waiting idly by and saying, well, Lord, I trust you, just toss it out to you, just waiting for you. Just waiting for you to do something. I prayed once, so come on. You said you'd answer. Rhodes said the other night, if I call, you answer. God says, I want you to keep asking. Keep imploring me. Keep coming to me. Keep, keep showing that you have faith. In fact, Jesus says in Luke 18, pray and don't lose heart. I think one of the reasons we don't persevere in prayer is because when the answer doesn't come quickly enough, we, we stop wanting to, to keep asking. We just kind of give up and say, well, I guess the Lord, it wasn't the Lord's will. The Lord didn't want to do that. But he says, casting, active, keep doing it. And then that leads us to the last thought. Why do we do that? Why do we give our needs to the Lord? And why do we keep persisting in prayer? Well, look at the end of the verse. Casting all your anxiety on him. Read the last five words with me. Because he cares for you. Isn't that an amazing truth? That God cares for us. Now I know some of us have been saved a long time and we've known the care of God and the sufficiency of God, the love of God, almost to the point where it's just like second nature. Yeah, I know God loves me. But, but I want you to read those five verses to yourself again, casting all your anxiety in him because he cares for you. And he doesn't just care, which is remarkable enough, but he acts when we pray. And that is a divine mystery. He doesn't need us. He doesn't have to help us. He doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't know, uh, need to know what we need. I'm not telling God what I need. And he's going, wow, Rhodes, you really need? I, I had no clue. 
God knows every thought and intent of my heart. He knows every need I have before I even understand it myself. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need my help. He doesn't need me to call on him. He, he, he doesn't have to help me. And yet it says that he not only cares for me and he's willing to answer my prayer, but that he loves to do that. He loves to respond. In fact, I was thinking, I can't think of one example in Scripture of a believer praying and God doing nothing. I can't think of one example where somebody came to the Lord and said, Lord, I need your help. And God said, mm, nah, nah, I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to answer that. You know what? Let's just let that sit for a long time and, and, and we'll just see. People who pray are met at the point of their need and they're strengthened, but people who don't pray are chronically confused and weak. People who pray see their prayer answered. People who don't will never know what the Lord was ready to do. People who pray get led by the Holy Spirit. People who don't try to figure it out for themselves. That's why right after this verse, look at it real quick. We're going to pray. Right before the verse, he says, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, because pride prevents prayer, but prayer diffuses pride. The enemy constantly wants to tell us God doesn't want to help. We should be ashamed to have these problems. We should be ashamed to have to go to God and pray. Prayer doesn't accomplish anything. Those are all lies based on our pride. So Peter, who knew very well what it was to be humbled, says, humble yourself because God gives grace to who? Tell me. The humble. God gives grace to the humble, and prayer is a place to receive God's grace because he says, come boldly to the throne of, tell me, grace. So humble yourself, give all the cares to God, cast them out, get them away from you, put them on Christ, and then here's why you have to do that. Verse 8, because our enemy, the devil, our adversary, he's prowling around seeking whom he may devour. There's no coincidence that right before verse 8, verse 7 comes out. Because the enemy, and you guys have felt this, you've said it to me, I'm under so much attack right now. Well, the only way to deal with that attack is to not get more confidence in ourselves. It's to go to the Lord and say, Lord, i got to cast all this on you because you care for me. You've already defeated the devil, and he's prowling around. He's eating my lunch right now, and I don't know what to do. God, I need your help. And God says, I got it. I got it. I, I will protect my children. You, 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 attacked my, you attacked my kids. If I see a lion running at my kids, I'm not going to go, well, kids, good luck. Hope you can run faster than me. There's no way. I'm getting in that lion's path, and if the lion eats me, so be it. My kids are getting away. You think God is going to look at us and go, well, you've got an adversary, and he's prowling around trying to devour you. Good luck with that. He says, here's how I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect you with my son. And I'm going to give him to you so that you can be redeemed. And then now that he's back in heaven, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And my Holy Spirit will indwell you. So when the enemy comes to attack and you say, God, I need your help. Holy Spirit's right there and goes, I'm there. I'm there. So we have to let go of it. We have to keep letting go of it. And then we have to be encouraged and strengthened that he cares for us. God's not on vacation tonight. He's not somewhere else. He's not busy. He's not indifferent. He's not preoccupied. He's not annoyed. Oh, those people at Harbor Rock, they're coming to pray. <sighs> now I got to show up, and I got to listen to what they're saying. Ugh, can you believe it? I, 
Can you imagine God saying that? He says, those people are going to pray? My people are going to pray? Oh, that's a sweet smell to me. Get the bowls ready. Get the, get the bowls. We got some prayers coming. Get the, put those in those bowls right there, okay? That prayer that Tony Yaka just prayed, put that in a bowl. I'm going to keep that for all eternity because that's sweet to me. That's how much God cares about us. And I want to pray tonight. I talked too long. I want to pray with bold confidence. Here's what I want to do. Let's call on the name of the Lord. Because he says, cast all your care on me because I care for you. And I'm ready to listen.